Function Room 34, Sea Change. My guest is Joanna Donnelly, meteorologist and author of From Malinhead to Mizzenhead, a really lovely book about the almost meditative experience that is the Irish sea area forecast. Hers is the voice Irish radio listeners hear last thing at night and first thing in the morning as she delivers the predictions of what the weather is going to be like around the Irish coastline and a little bit out to sea. We talk hectopascals, my favourite of all the pascals, how mathematics finds patterns on this giant mad chaotic sphere of ours which help people like her predict what's going to happen and also why it's best to give bad news first. Joanna Donnelly, you are very welcome to The Function Room. Is this is this your first maths podcast? Um, yeah, probably. I've done a few podcasts on various topics, but I think this one is the first maths. I don't know what a maths pod, pro, podcast is going to be, Colm. <laughs> don't ask me anything hard. Yeah, it's a fair question. I've, I've done this for a little while and I'm still not sure what a maths podcast should be but that's fine uh, I think we can muddle along through in the best spirits of maths taking it one step at a time the reason you're on there's lots of reasons I could have you on the podcast uh, but it's at the moment you are telling people about a lovely book which I thoroughly enjoyed reading it's about the the sea area forecast for Ireland and I think anywhere that has a sea around it has a sea area forecast uh, tell me a little bit about uh, from Malinhead to Mizzenhead, uh, for people listening who are not from Ireland, where, tell me what Malinhead and Mizzenhead are. Well, Malinhead is the furthest point north on the island. So it's it's further north than Northern Ireland. It's on the very tippy top of the Inishon Peninsula sticking out into the North Atlantic. It's actually a wonderful place, really. Um, you really feel like, well, at many of the headlands actually are really on the edge of the world. And it feels quite ancient up at Malinhead too. And the people up there will tell you that you have the view of an, a rock formation and a little outcrop, a little island to the north of us. That's something like it, it, billions of years old. You know, it's one of the the existing islands from when the earth was formed is fantastic little thing out there into the north i'm probably wrong in saying billions it's probably millions but you know what's a zero here and there books friends mizzenhead is on the south coast the very very um southwest coast of ireland and west cork and that is another i think probably people more know more about mizzenhead they actually have a visitor center and a fancy bridge down there to promote themselves whereas malinhead is much more remote i think even though there's that there's a population of people living right at malinhead um but Mizzenhead is right on the south coast. And both the areas, Mizzen as well, is absolutely a spectacular place. And you really feel in in the wild, in the wilderness, with the Atlantic crashing. And certainly the day I went, I, I visited all these places, you know. And I, uh, the day I went to Mizzenhead, there was um, Strong Gale Force 9. And I literally, I have photos of all the places I visited. You know, I've my, my little um, memories come up every now and again oh this time last year you were in this place and the, i've no photos that i took at taken at mizzenhead and the reason i've no photos was taken at mizzenhead because i literally couldn't stand when i was at mizzenhead because yeah. the winds were so strong coming in off the, off the coast and of course that's why we have a sea area forecast because around our coasts the seas can be so violent and the winds can be so strong you know we're we're there to protect life 
at sea. And that's the fundamental basis of what we're doing is protecting life and property, of course, but um, primarily life. And the sea area forecast was the first forecast done way back in the mid 19th century when um, sailing ships became ships that could go through all weather. So up until the mid 19th century, we'd been relying on um, sails to get around the world. And then they invented the steamship. So sails meant that you could only go around the world by sea when the weather let you. So particularly for trade in or around the east, the middle um, China and that, they couldn't get there and back at certain times of the year because of the monsoons and then because of the doldrums. So there was times that were limiting trade. And so that's why they invented the steamship. And once they invented the steamship and they could go through all weathers, they then needed to realize, well, actually, you can't go through all weathers because this is hard. This is dangerous stuff. So then they invented the sea area forecast and the the warnings came first, gale warnings and then um, the sea area forecast. So my book is kind of like um, a little bit of history in there as to why we forecast the weather at all. Um, a little bit of science and maths and meteorology because I can't help myself. And a little bit of travel because I went to all of the headlands around the country. There you go. That's the book. And uh, even listening to the enthusiasm with which you speak of the places, and as you say, you're traveling to each of the locations, which are like nodes and points on a sea area forecast. It's a lovely combination of um, the the tangible reality of being in the on Malinhead, and then those numbers that you will quote as a weather forecaster for Malinhead. It, it must have been nice to see those numbers brought to life because just for our listeners, when you're going, when you're delivering a, a sea area forecast, you say some numbers and their direction, don't you? What is the rhythm of in any particular place like Malinhead? What would yeah. be the things that you would say about it to get deliver the most important information in the shortest space of time in numbers? Yeah. Yeah, so that's the what we call the coastal reports. So the coastal reports were the things that were set up originally, way back in the mid-19th century by a guy called Admiral Fitzroy. He set up um, coastal reports around the coasts of Ireland and the UK to give information to seafarers of what the weather was going to do. So you were, if you were able to know where what the pressure was at these places, you would be able to make an isobaric chart and you'd be able to make a weather forecast. Very crude and rudimentary, but it worked. Um, and it's the same reports today. So the coastal reports are the same today as they were in the mid-19th century. And what they are are the wind, so wind direction, and wind speed. So both of those things are important. The wind direction and the wind speed, we lead with those. Um, Next comes, I think it's the weather, the visibility uh, and the pressure. So the pressure is also the, the critical thing there whether the pressure, not necessarily just the pressure on its own. So we get air pressure, you know, 999 hectopascals, 1,015 hectopascals, you know, 970 hectopascals. That's really low pressure. You're like, oh, low pressure, but it's what comes after that. So it's the pressure tendency where you have rising slowly, rapidly, falling slowly, rapidly. That pressure tendency tells you what the pressure is doing, whether low pressure is coming in or high pressure is building. So a mariner at sea, if it's a fisherman, the merchants, uh, marine, the, the coast guards, all of these would be 
familiar and well familiar with what those numbers mean to them. So I'm reading out on the radio um, twice a day and the Coast Guard actually read it out more. They read it out, um, I think, nearly every hour, might be more regularly. Um, those coastal reports and our sea area forecasts so that anybody at sea that is relying, I know I've been asked lots of times, is there any need for a sea area forecast now with all the technology we have? But we all know, I think, on land how fickle our technology can be. You know, you're, you're, you're driving along between Westport and Kildare last week and the phone just keeps dropping because our signals drop. Um, can you imagine what that would be like if you were on the sea and your signal just drops and you're left with none of your technology that you thought you had, but you'll still have a radio because those radios are fairly robust and the sea area forecast goes out over radio. They listen to those numbers and then they can find their way around the sea. Just thinking about that, the simplicity of the radio, like the waves, like what you're depending on in terms of the numbers of points of failure for a satellite to tell you something, to give you lots of rich information, but it's a real lesson in um, information transfer and information theory, isn't it? In that the the lower the complexity of the of the medium, the higher the the robustness of it. And I'm not. I mean, radio waves are still magic. Yeah, and we have to remember as well that a lot of the people that we would be speaking to English might not necessarily be their first language, so it's the simplicity. And the words that they expect to hear. So they might not speak English, but they'll know the wind directions and they'll know their numbers. You know, they'll know what to expect. It's the same with aviation. You know, the, the words that come over the, um, the radio to the uh, pilots in the planes um, will be the same. They, they, they have their, the fixed words that they expect to hear so that they can decode. So it is, it is like... You know, it's, it is a code. It's definitely a code. I mean, language is a code, but it, yeah. the, these particular forecasts that we produce are codes. Um, they're sort of discernible to the layman that kind of know what a north, northeast 20 knots means. I know. And even uh, just moving into the other number, because air pressure is so crucial. When we look out into what seems like the, the, the unknown unknown of weather, and yet it is codified into 970 hectopascals rising slowly. So so the hectopascal, it's a unit of pressure. It's force per area. Like, is it, what, what's exactly it? That. It's so the, the pressure. Of the force of a column of an air, yeah. So in this mad, mad storm, what you're approximating is, is if, if this air was in a tube, is that right? This is how much yeah. pressure it would exert. Is that like yes, that? We're that, trying yeah. to grasp a tiny slice of the chaos to find out how much relative to other mad winds? Yes, absolutely. So um, if we if we backpedal just a tad for a second, movement of air is how we forecast weather. That's what weather is. It's the movement of air and air pressure. So um, fill a balloon with uh, your air. The balloon rises. It's under pressure. So that air in there is under pressure. Um so all air is under pressure. So when we're studying science, we have a you know any experiment you do you're due in pressure so pressure is fundamental to everything that we're doing because there's actual air pressing on us right now sitting here we're under pressure so that pressure changes so if you pop the balloon 
the air goes from an area of high pressure to an area of low pressure. And when you pop a balloon, it goes fast, so it makes noise. And it's the movement of the noise of the air going fast that makes that noise, which is thunderstorms. But anyway, we get um, we, we I, I get uh, off track quickly. Um, so <laughs> you get blown movement, off course. I do, I do, I do. So movement of air from areas of high pressure to areas of low pressure, that's weather. That's what it's doing. So that's what's yeah. doing all the time. With the weather, we've added complications because the earth is turning. And we have another complication because it's heated. So the air is rising, you know, hotter air rises. So the air is churning. We're moving around the sun. We're spinning as we do it. The air is rising as it spins. It is not evenly heated. So uh, water changes temperature at a different rate to solids. So we have oceans. Um, Our oceans are not even either. Some of them are more saline than others. So they're not evenly heated either. Um, The poles are in the dark for half of the year, um, one or the other, as we're tilted away from the air. So they're not evenly heated. And the deserts are... no, the deserts are too complicated. The uh, rainforests <laughs> also are not the same, you know, so none of the surfaces of the lands are evenly heated. So some places the air is rising quickly and some places the air is rising slowly. It's all, as you said the word a few seconds ago, it's chaos. So air, if we could just say that this column of air was going to move slightly over here to this column of air, then our isobaric charts would be very, very easy. The reason they're circular is because we're spinning, we're spinning, we're spinning, spinning. So you need to lie down when you think about what the job <laughs> is. <laughs> I know. It's, it's like... It- it, it, it's like the last thing you need is it's like that old uh, I think it was in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy where somebody gets a sense of perspective on the size of the universe and it actually destroys their brain. It's like the last thing you need is a sense of perspective on yeah. the the sheer complexity. What's what I'm hearing though is that the you mentioned maybe six or seven factors that are all changing sometimes independently of each other and sometimes dependently of each other and the layperson would be going, how could you possibly calculate that? Even somebody who's done, you know, mathematics up to, I don't know, aged 18 would be used to, look, if, I, if I'm if i going at this speed and then I change speed and nothing else changes, then I know what's going to happen in 10 meters time. But what you're talking about is effectively trying to hear the conversation in a room where everybody's shouting in different languages. And it's, it's, it's amazing. And, and is that where maths comes in which it it kind of it takes in all of these inputs it takes in data it has some equations that it knows are Look, at me okay, shifting my no. seat because we're, get, we're getting into the meat now. Let's get into it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's go. And then it, it, it makes models which are constantly updating and spits out. Like, is that what's going on that, that we can never know for definite, for absolute 100% what's going to happen, but we approximate based on the 18 different things that could influence yeah. the weather at yeah. that, when you're standing in that force nine, that yeah. force nine is, you know, I mean, people used to believe it was the act of a deity, but it may be the deity just hanging around having a look while these 18, his or her 18 agents of pressure, rainforest, uh, you know, spin of the earth, all, and it's amazing, but you you yet out of that you pick out nine hundred and seventy hectopascals rising slowly. Yeah. Is it does yeah. it feel like magic? And uh, something like magic. It keeps coming back to the word chaos because um, 
what we yeah, you said it. You know, if I, the the eighteen year old at, at um, school can write the um, a differential equation to measure the rate of change, and you know, and the, as they get older, as the 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 kids move up, those complications, the, those maths become you know they're nonlinear into a quadratic, and then we go we, we go on onto the next level of um, mathematics up and up and up, and mathematicians way smarter than me back in time started building these uh, equations to capture some element of the movement of um, air. They then became more and more complicated and the computers took over and the models became more complicated. But fundamentally, what we're doing with the mathematics is trying to make a map of what's going to happen if if we can map what's happening in this column of air right now we can make an approximation of what's going to happen to this column of air as it moves over here um what's the biggest problem is what we call the starting conditions the initial conditions and that's capturing what it is right now because as soon as you've captured yeah. what it is right now it's changed instantly so we said yeah. the pressure here is this and the temperature is this and the humidity is this. And, you know, there's more than just the pressure because they're, they all go into the equation. The pressure has to, you know, you have to match with the pressure and the, um, the content of the air. And as soon as we've captured the initial conditions, they've changed. And that's where the chaos comes in. And also, we, we, we need a whole map, not just this column of air. We need a whole map of the whole world. And not just at the surface, it also has to go up into the atmosphere. Yeah. And we all need to have a little lie down now, Colin, because yeah. that's enough. <laughs> I know, because, you know, when we when when we think of sums and maths, it's two-dimensional. We're writing with our, we're looking at things going in a straight line. We don't, we don't think too much about, you're, it's like you're playing three or four-dimensional chess yeah. uh, with all the different yeah. things. Um, it tests, yeah. And, is, and, you know, because talking of maths and, two dim- and uh, one or two dimensional and you said it earlier as well that the, the sign and the radio waves and um, you know mathematics and music are so related we, you, you said that when we, we talked before you know that um, as complicated as sound and music is in our Fourier series and they're, they're, they're beautiful yeah. um, it's like a bowl of spaghetti when you get to the weather you're just throwing it all yeah. into a- <laughs> Yeah, and you, and you you look in there and you go, oh, no, no, that that doesn't look like music. We're we're not we're not looking at music anymore. Did you uh, you did you studied maths in in college? Did you did you think you were going to be a weather forecaster dealing with this kind of thing, or were you looking at a different industry? Oh, <laughs> I was in university in nineteen. I graduated in nineteen ninety three. Column, um, there was no industry. <laughs> We, we we had no there wasn't there were no jobs. I went to university in the eighties and I came out in the early nineties and we were just starting to become employed. Um, so when we were in uh, DCU at studying maths, the year that graduated previous to me, um, almost a hundred percent went into further research in mathematics or into um a boat or a plane to, to another country. Um, then the year I graduated, I think we started to get into IT. A lot of my graduating class went into IT. Um, and one of my uh, 
cohorts went into um, the very, very new industry of uh, internet security. You know, that was like, that was, was a great thing to get into at that time. Um, I, and my final year was lucky enough, I think, when I look back at how things turned out, um, my uh, assigned thesis at the end of my final year was on a statistical uh, analysis of the relationship between um, weather and uh, air pollution. And I took myself off to get a load of data and I went into Met Aaron to get it. And when I went in there, I went, oh, yeah, this is this is the place for me. I like this. And, um, this feels like home. There, were, there was actually, that was, that was 1993. There was actually a guy at a desk with a pencil writing out maths sums at that time. Now, we might have only been doing it, you know, to help him with his programming, obviously, with the, with the yeah. computers. But he actually had a pencil in his math. And I was like, whoa, so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah, because it, again, I, it's a theme I come back to a lot in this podcast, the power of the pencil, where it just, again, distills what's swirling around in the brain to just try and capture, you know, the complexity in a simple line that can at least be looked at. It's almost therapeutic. Um, I love the sense of place in the book, obviously, because it is it's a, a travel the travelogue as well as uh, like you you wear the science lightly it's it's woven amongst the stories uh stories are important aren't they when it comes to science like i think weather is a great example of how stories and anecdote might you know they are have a role to play amongst statistical rigor as well don't they because they they have local knowledge and everything don't they they do and and that's important and um and we've we've a wealth of local knowledge in this country because we've been farming for 5000 years so that's how you put weather into action you know feeding yeah. yourself and figuring out what will grow and how we eat and we've been doing that in this country for 5000 years um so there's a lot of a lot of information out there, a lot of local knowledge, and a lot of it is is important and relevant. But I think what's really important and relevant is, I mean, I have a 14-year-old and he says, um, what do we need maths for anyway? I'm never going to use it, you know? And um, I, I try to say to him that even if he never uses maths in his life, you have to work your brain you have to exercise your brain the same way we exercise our body. Um, and then there's this really important thing that's coming at us from everywhere, in the, and that's climate change. And a lot of people don't understand that. And you can't sh- bark at them and shout at them and say, this is the science, this is the maths, this is the, you, you have to do what I, because I'm the, you have to, kind of help people come to it get to it and you have to try and connect people in some way that they can read this stuff and get there themselves because you can't you you can't shout at people you can't uh, tell people and especially with climate change there's going to be so many resisting forces to what needs to be done as we go down the line, there's going to be people saying, I don't want to, 
I, I want hmm. to fly. I want to fly cheap to Spain and you can't stop me. Well, we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to stop doing some things and we're going to have to start doing other things. And we need people to maybe know why rather than trying to, I need my son to know why he needs to do his maths homework. Um, and I need him to get there himself. In some way, I need yeah. to connect with him. He's he's getting into his his body now, and he's learning about things. And I need to get him to get there himself. I think that's what we need to do with everything, isn't it? We need to get there ourselves, and we need somebody yeah. to help us get there ourselves. Um, I hope, and I also, people are really interesting. You know, pe- people are what makes us most. You know, that's what interests most people the most is other people, because um, we are social animals. So it's, it's really interesting to go to these places and talk to people because, you know, people are interesting. And when I get to talk about yeah. my subject, I, 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 I'm, I'm happiest. Yes, of course. Uh, in the, it was something uh, just you mentioned about like local knowledge and 5,000 years. Do you feel that, because um, one of the areas in which um, weather forecasters uh, will, you know, find that, they might be in disagreement with members of the public is where somebody will say, you know, I, I have these old ways of telling the weather and, you know, based on animal behavior and bird behavior and all of that. And, and then attempt to forecast out like three months in advance. And I know that as a scientist, you probably, you, you probably know that long range weather forecasting is still, it's still impossible, isn't it? Like beyond a certain distance, the margin of error is, uh, is too much to be to be reliable. Would that be right? Like, there's a there's yeah. a certain point at which you can go no further as it stands. Yeah, uh, that, and that's because of chaos, and that's because really the getting the initial conditions that we were talking about is is the hard part. Because if if you go wrong a little bit um, in the beginning, then that error amplifies further down the line, and that's why we can only go so far. And um, there's a lot of information from what animals do, but animals are reacting to what has happened yeah. as opposed to forecasting what will happen. Um, so it's it's useful in the very near term. Yeah. Because, um, for example, there is a, a thing called a downdraft that comes just before a shower, a big shower. Um, a, the, when a cumulonimbus forms, the air is sucked up and it moves up into the atmosphere, but it obviously... You, you know, what goes up must come down. So that air is then hits a, a what's called an inversion up above and comes back down again. And the down bit is colder because the air up there is colder than down here. So it's a cold draft of air comes down that hits the ground and has nowhere to go. So it goes out and you can feel that ahead of a shower. It comes yeah. minutes or seconds before the rain starts. Um, and sometimes a good few minutes. I was in a car park once a few years ago when the kids were small with my friends and we all had kids in the playground. And I said, ooh, there's a cold wind. I think it's going to shower. Let's get back to the cars. And we all went back to the cars and we made it in time. And my friends were like, yeah. wow. <laughs> this is like, yeah. yeah, that's my witch powers. <laughs> yeah. So it feels like there's a sweet spot, you know, in that because um, what animals give us or what local lore gives us, you know, dogs eating grass or swallows flying low is very specific 
local data, particularly in a country like Ireland where showers, even within rainfall radar, like w- within the error of rainfall radar, I feel like animals provide the, the more granular information or send or uh, you know because they may they may even be more acutely sensitive to air pressure uh, in along the same lines as we are um do you ever see a, a scenario in future where we have big data harvesting those tiny observations that used to be called anecdotal but are actually tiny tiny weather yeah. stations so, be they know, human or animal uh, or absolutely but you know with ai um that's probably going to be a game changer in the very near future as well because the um that will change the amount of information we can get in and the you know the uh, um interpolating between sparse data points ai is going to be better at that than we've ever been um at the moment, there are computer models that pull in information from everywhere. They can they t- they pull in information from cars, from planes, from people's smartphones, from uh, people collecting data on their roofs, from everywhere they can get it. Because the more data you can get into your model, the more um, yeah. you can work against that chaos. So there's a satellites that take uh, information off the oceans because we can tell by the ocean surface wave tops what the wind is doing above it. We, c- I can look at a, a satellite image and I can tell by the shape of the cloud that I'm looking at that the wind at the surface is going to be a certain speed. Um, I can do it visually because I know it's there, but the satellite can do it, you know, mathematically and be more accurate. And as we advance with AI technology, that's going to get more and more accurate. So those da- sparse data points that we have at the moment are are going to fill in. And why not say those swallows have lifted? Who's to say what an AI computer generated um, function yeah. can do going forward? The, the AIs are smarter than we are. They're going to say those... So- those puffins just dived on those plankin um, because they know that there's. We we learned this the the other day, didn't we, Colin? About the 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 plankton and the That's temperature right. of the water and all that sort of thing, and that has the effect on the puffins, and it has the effect. That's fantastic, and all that data can go in yeah. and in and in and in and in. Who knows? Yeah. So the person who might at some point feel dissed by science because they didn't think they're. Uh, their observations were being taken seriously. They are actually, uh, they are data collectors in their own right. I mean, I I find it brilliant. Even that, what you were talking about with looking at the tops of the waves, which sounds like such an anecdotal old seafarers, uh, you know, weather, weather eye. And yet it is, it's, it's, uh, it's as crucial um, a method as Stokes equations about, uh, about fluid mechanics or whatever uh that we could either we could either go on for the next eight hours or i might have to stop now because it's so it, it, there's so much to this uh joanna donnelly uh, a lovely book thanks so much for adding to the store of human knowledge as you as you do every night on the weather forecast and uh look forward to chatting to you uh next time when you uh you, re- you see whether your forecast was right <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much colin that was a really great chat that was joanna donnelly there one of Ireland's top weather forecasters and author of From Malinhead to Mizzenhead, A Journey Around the Irish Sea Area Forecast. It's really nice and it has some really good bits of science and weather and climate change, but also the very personal, the anecdote, the people she meets, the sketches she paints of 
the lesser visited parts of the Irish coastline and maybe wherever you are, if you are in a country where there is some seaside, there may be some sea area forecasting stations. Why not take a trip there? Maybe you've never been there before. If you liked the function room, please leave a review at the reviewing platform of your choice. I've been Colm O'Regan. You can find me on Twitter at Colm O'Regan or you can find the podcast at Function Room Pod. And I'm on Blue Sky as well too, but I can't for the life of me remember what the address is, but I got the Colm O'Regan name anyway. So have a look if that's where you're living now. It's a bit quieter and definitely less crazy than the Stormforce Gale 9 that seems to be blowing on Twitter all of the time. Blue Sky a bit calmer, a sheltered cove. I'm also on Mastodon. I haven't done anything there either. Just going in there and grabbing the name. So, that's it for this week. Talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.